If you turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. It's always my desire, as well as every gospel preacher, and we have some pastors here tonight, they tell you the same thing, to be simple in preaching. When I say I desire to be simple, what I mean is I want to be straightforward, I want to be clear, plain, uncomplicated. You know, God's message to sinners was never intended to be complicated. It just wasn't. Never intended to be complicated or hard to understand. God's message to sinners is not hard to understand. It's going to take a divine revelation for a man to believe it, but it's not hard to understand. Now, God is hard to understand. His ways are past finding out, the Scriptures say. His judgments cannot be understood. They're unsearchable. But I don't need a God I can understand. I just need God. I just need God. His ways are past finding out, but not His way. Right? The Lord Jesus said, I am the way. That's pretty plain. Pretty simple. Pretty uncomplicated, isn't it? They understood what He said. They just hated it. And that's the problem that we have today. That's the problem that sinners have. Sinners are not lost and go to hell because they don't understand. They're lost and go to hell because they hate the message. The gospel of God's free grace in the Lord Jesus Christ is a simple message. May God enable me and you and all that hear it to believe it. Now, throughout the scriptures, we're reminded often of the oneness of the things of God. Let me say right up front that I was an average student in school, and I was below average in math. But I don't think there was ever a time that I didn't understand one. We've got a granddaughter who's... Uh, almost three now, but she's been counting for about a, a year. And uh, you listen to her count sometime, it's one, two, three, six, nine, thirteen, sixteen. But she's never started out with two or four, she's always started out with one. One. can't get any more simple or singular than one. Recently, I had a religious fellow tell me that uh, all denominations and all religious persuasions were like spokes in a wheel. And I immediately thought to myself, okay, here we go. 
How so, I asked. All the spokes in a wheel <clears throat> come together and are joined at the hub at the center, he said. He said, that hub is Jesus. In other words, he believed that every religion, regardless of how they differed in doctrine and belief of the scriptures, were all connected in some general way to, the, to Jesus, the center hub, and all equally important one to another. Just one thing wrong with that. It's not true. It's not so. The Word of God declares in the first four words of this book, in the beginning, God. Not gods, plural, but God. What did God do? He created the heavens and the earth. Who created the heavens and the earth? God created them. Just one God. One. One. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. One. God is the self-existent one. He is the immutable, unchanging one. He said, for I am the Lord, I change not. Just one God, and he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I love that. Now the beloved John wrote, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. But these three are one. Just one. God in three persons, but he's one God. The singularity and the simplicity of God's word. You're in Ephesians 4. Look at verse 4 with me. There is one body, one church, just one. Now, religion is divided into many denominations, but there's only one church, one body. One denomination believes this, and another denomination believes that, and and the third denomination believes something altogether than the other two. But there's only one church, just one body, one body of true believers. Is that hard to understand? No, I understand one. Religion says that there's many, but God says there's just one. Just one. The church is one body of believers believe that a singular work done by Christ alone has accomplished their salvation. There's one body, read on, verse 4, and one spirit. Notice that's a capital S. That's speaking of the Holy Spirit. Paul here in our text is referring to the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, and there's only one, just one. God, the Holy Spirit. There's one Spirit that reveals the truth of this gospel to God's one body, one church, just one. Just one body, the church, and one Spirit, the Holy Spirit. There's one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in what? One hope. Just one hope of your calling. Is that what your Bible says? 
One. I understand one. There's only one hope, there's only one calling, and that being the effectual call of the one spirit, which gives one hope to every child of God. Is that complicated? I have only one hope of being redeemed, one hope of being sanctified, one hope of being brought back into fellowship with God. You know what it is? Verse 5. One Lord. That's it. That's my hope. Just one Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ, who is God, by the way. He who knew no sin, but was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Don't miss that little word. My righteousness is the very righteousness of God. God doesn't take my righteousness and clean it up and reform it. He gives me His righteousness. It's the righteousness of God. One faith, verse 5. That gift of faith that God gives His people to believe and trust in this one Lord. One faith is in one Lord. Now men have faith in many things, but only faith, belief in Christ, the one mediator between God and man, brings eternal justification. Just one. One Lord, one faith, read on, one baptism. I was uh, thinking the other day, do you remember when the mother of James and John came to the Lord Jesus and the scriptures say that she desired a certain thing of the Lord. Do you remember what it was? She said, uh, Grant these at my two sons. One might sit on your right hand and the other one might sit on your left hand. You remember what the Lord said? He said, You don't know what you ask. You know not what you ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of. And then he said this, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. Now our Lord here is speaking of his reproach, his sorrows, his sufferings, his death. You know, baptism is a whole lot more than just getting dunked in water as far as what it represents. And he compares these things first to a, a bitter cup that only he can drink. He had to drink that cup. And then these sorrows, these sufferings, this reproach were so many and so great that it seems the Lord is saying that he's plunged into them and he's covered with them, comparing them to a baptism, just one baptism. That's the one that he was baptized in for his people. Just one. Paul said, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That's what that's picturing. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Just one baptism. The child of God in Christ is dead to sin, buried 
with him under the wrath of God and risen with him into life everlasting. God's wrath and justice fell on me just, now bear me out, it fell on me just as the rain of wrath fell on all the world in the days of Noah. It, it, you know, it fell on Noah too, didn't it? Sure it did. But the difference is that the believer is in Christ. The believer's ark. And, it, and, he, and Christ took the blow of God's divine justice for me. Noah's ark was immersed in God's wrath. It says the water came from beneath and from above. What a picture of baptism. What a picture of Christ doing for me what I cannot do for myself. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and then look at verse 6. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. We, all, we come back full circle, don't we, to, to God. One God. Just one. Back to the one thing that you and I must have. The one God and Father of all. And notice that he's a sovereign God. Paul said he's above all. And through all and in all his people by Jesus Christ. He wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him. And then he said, and one Lord Jesus Christ by whom all things are all things and we by him. How are we in God? By him. It's the only way. Turn with me over to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Look at verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now here God's word tells us about one man, and this is speaking of Adam. Look at the first part of verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, it was Adam's one sin that gave death its reigning power over all the sons of men. Now, I don't understand much, but I understand one, and I understand all. That's two things I understand. I understand one, and I understand all. Look at verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteousness. Made righteous. One God made one man the representative of all men. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Do you believe it? One God made one man the representative of all of all men, and when that one man's sin, sin was imputed unto all men. Every man and woman were alienated from God in that one man. That's our problem. That's why we're in the mess we're in. But then God gave 
another man. Oh, does that is that of any interest to you? Verse 19 tells us that by that one man's obedience, many were made righteous. Verse 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Oh, the simplicity and the singularity of God's word. One man, Adam, a representative of all the human race. And one man, Jesus Christ, the representative of all God's elect. Men and women don't miss these blessed truths because they're too hard to understand. They miss it because they hate it. And they refuse to bow to it. And that's just a fact. One day the Lord Jesus said, I'm the bread of life that cometh down from heaven. And if any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And everybody said, ooh, that's a hard saying. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. He was saying, I am God. I am salvation. I am the bread. And to have life everlasting, you've got to partake of me. I am the way. Just one way. And to make it clear, he went on to say what Darwin read for us there in John. He said, no man can come to me. Doesn't have the ability. That's what that word can means. You remember that little story I heard it where the little boy says, teacher, uh, May I go to the restroom? She said, you may, but you can't. <laughs> we don't have the ability. I think I told that backwards. <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure y'all paying attention. Then we read those sad words. The Lord said, I am the bread of life. And we read from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They understood what he was saying. I guarantee you they understood what he was saying. And he looked at his closest friends, the closest friends he had in all the world. And he said, will you leave also? And Peter said, Lord, where else would we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Somebody heard him. Somebody believed him. I believe they all understood what he said, but only a choice few believed. Do you believe him? Let's go a step further in the singleness and simplicity. Paul told Timothy, he said, For there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. How many gods? Just one. How many mediators? Just one. 
the man, Christ Jesus. What did this one mediator do? He offered one sacrifice. One sacrifice. Just one. The sacrifice of himself, and it was for sin. How many? Just one. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 with me. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 12. But this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who that's speaking of, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Isn't that what Darwin just preached to us? It's finished. That's why he sat down. It's done. The work's accomplished. Look at verse 14. For by one offering he hath perfected. Boy, isn't that a precious word? Sure is, because God says it must be perfect to be accepted. You and I will not be accepted unless we're perfect. He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Why did this one man offer one sacrifice for sin? That he might die the just for the unjust. That's you and I. That he might be both a just God and a Savior. Aren't you glad they added that? Boy, I, I love the justice of God, but I love the fact that that same God is a Savior. He's my Savior. And that's what makes this gospel so amazing. That God himself died for the sinner. The very one whom we offended. <clears throat> David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. We've offended God. And yet, he chose a people before the foundation of the world. Darwin talked about election. That's what it is. God chose a people. He set his affection on them. And he said, they shall be my people and I shall be their God. He might perfect them forever with one offering for sin. And there's only one offering for sin. Just one. Do you hear what, what this is saying? When Christ died, now listen... Your sin died with him. Look, look back at uh, Romans chapter 6. I won't turn you into any more, but look, at the, look here at Romans 6. Look at verse 9. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. How many times? Once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Now look at verse 11. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now that doesn't mean that you and I will never sin again. Every one of you here that, that know anything about the gospel and what this book teaches is sin is what we are, not just what we do. 
We're going, it doesn't mean we're never going to sin, but that does mean that sin is dead unto you. And you're dead unto sin. In Christ, we're not only no longer dead, we're, we're not no longer dead in sin, but we're dead unto sin too. God help us to get a hold of that. Sin no more has dominion over you. Because you're dead unto it. Let me see if I can simplify that even more. In Christ you cannot sin. Why? Because we're dead unto it. Is that hard to understand? No, but it's impossible to believe without divine intervention. The law of God can no longer hold God's elect accountable. Why? Because we're dead into the law. That's what Paul said in Galatians 2. He said, For I, through the law, am dead to the law that I might live unto God. Now let me ask you a question. Can a dead man stand trial for breaking the law? Can a dead man stand trial for breaking the law? And somebody said, well, that's ridiculous. Exactly. Exactly. A dead man can make no restitution to justice. He's dead. Dead unto it. The law can no longer hold God's elect accountable for breaking the law. Why? Because Christ died in their place and for their sin, and they died unto their sin in Him. And that's substitution. That's the heart of the gospel. The law of sin and death has no more claim on you, has no more claim on you than it does on Christ Himself. God's law has been satisfied. That's another word. <laughs> Substitution, satisfaction. God's satisfied. God no longer angry with his people every day. Why? Because he's satisfied. He's satisfied. Now how simple and singular is the gospel of God's free and sovereign grace in Christ. The child of God's been redeemed. Their sin's paid for. That's what being redeemed means, isn't it? Sin's paid for. And the one God, the very one that we have offended, is satisfied. Now, have you ever heard any better news than that? Not if you're a sinner, you hadn't. That rich young ruler, man, I, I think about him often. He, he came to the Lord Jesus Christ, and to him it was all about being good, wasn't it? Well, he came to him, he said, good master. What good thing must I do to be saved? It's all about being good. But he was still lacking. Still lacking. Our Lord said, well, you don't commit murder and don't commit adultery and don't steal and don't bear false witness. Don't lie on your neighbor and honor your father and your mother and love your neighbors. you love yourself. And you know what that rich young ruler said? He said, all these I've done. He didn't say anything to him about lying, did he? <laughs> All these things have I kept from my youth up. What yet do I lack? 
And the Lord Jesus said to him, One thing thou lackest. One thing you lack. One thing. If you desire to be perfect, he didn't say you desire to be good. That's not going to get it done. Being good's not going to get it done. There are going to be a lot of good moral people in hell. He said, if you desire to be perfect, you've got to be perfect. Go and sell all you have and give it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Now listen, no matter how much men and women try to reform themselves, they'll always be lacking. Always. One thing that we will always lack in and of ourselves is the perfect righteousness that the Lord God requires in order for us to be reconciled to Him. If we claim to have kept and done all these things like this young man did, God will always meet us with that one thing that we lack. And this young man's lack was his unwillingness to part with his riches in order to follow Christ. And we'll always be lacking the one thing which God requires the most, and that is perfect obedience and perfect righteousness and really they're one and the same because perfect righteousness is only accomplished by perfect obedience and a perfect obedience can only be accomplished by perfect righteousness and in that sense they're one and the same with you and I they are the one thing lacking just one thing will always lack and then I think about Martha she's there working her fingers to the bone and she looks at the Lord Jesus and she said Lord don't you, don't you care my I'm 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 working my fingers to the bone here I'm waiting on folks hand and foot and she's sitting there at your feet listening to your word and he said Martha Martha he said you're troubled and care careful about many things but there's one thing needful there's one thing one thing needful and Mary hath chosen that good part, that good portion, which shall never be taken away from her. You see, dear friends, what we need is a perfect righteousness before God. There's only one way to get it. Mary has chosen the good part. Mary has chosen the good portion. She sat at the Lord Jesus' feet and heard His word. Christ is the sum and the substance. David said, he's my portion forever. Christ is that portion that can never be taken away. One thing needful, that one thing is Jesus Christ. There's only one way to have the one thing needful. The scriptures say there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And there's so, so many today telling sinners that there are many ways. There's not. There's many ways. And if you want to go this way, that's okay. And if you want to go that way, that'll work. While we're all just spokes in the same wheel, that wheel won't turn, Mike. 
that wheel won't turn. Take whatever road you like, they all end up at the same place. No, they don't. There is a way that seemeth right, but it's the wrong way. It has a wide gate and a broad way that leads to destruction, and many there will be that find it. John was baptizing in the River Jordan. He looked up one day and he saw the Lord Jesus Christ coming into him. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He said, Behold the Lamb of God. <laughs> Let's don't miss those little words like that. The Lamb of God. Just one. There's only one. One Lamb of God. Only one Savior. One Lamb that can take away sin. And do you remember... What our Lord said, He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. That's pretty direct, isn't it? Singular. Just one way, by me. Got to come by me. We, we see through a glass darkly. We know in part, we preach in part. Religious folks in our Lord's day has asked that young man that had been blind from his birth. They asked him over and over again who caused him to see. And uh, he answered and he said, a man named Jesus, all I can tell you, he made clay and he anointed my eyes and I could see. And they said, where is he? And he said, I don't know. I don't know where he is. And he didn't. And then they called his parents and they said, Is this your son? Yes. Was he born blind? Most certainly was. How does he now see? They said, He's of age, ask him. So they looked at him again. They said, We know this is our son. We know he was born blind. But now he sees how he does, we don't know. You see, we don't know much, do we? We don't know much. They turn back to that young man, and you gotta, gotta imagine it. He had never seen before. You think, you think, what do you think he's thinking about? He's like, I can see. Y'all asking me, who did it? I can see. He said, I, they, they said, this Jesus, this, this Jesus, he, he's a sinner. He don't keep the Sabbath day. He, he gave you eyes to see on the Sabbath day. Really? Yeah. He said, I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but he said, there's, one thing that I know. <laughs> I was blind. And now I see. One thing. One thing I know. Now, I haven't arrived, and I know every one of you who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to say the same thing. We haven't arrived. We haven't attained we haven't apprehended, but there's one thing that we've got to do. Just one thing. We've 
got to forget those things which are behind us, and we got to press toward those things which are before. Well, isn't that two things? No, not really. Because <laughs> you can't uh, look at what's in front of you if you're looking at what's behind you. And that's exactly what Paul said there in Philippians chapter 3. He said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind me, and I'm pressing forth into those things which are before. He said, I'm pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. One thing that I've got to do, and that's look to him. My dad used to put out a pretty sizable garden. He had about an acre. And uh, I'm telling you, it would be an envy to the average gardener. Man, I'm telling you, it was a, it was a beautiful garden. Uh, it was so well kept. And the, the rows, what, what impressed me so much is that those rows where he planted the vegetables were just so straight. And I remember one of his neighbors one day asked him, said, Leo said, how do you get those rows so straight? He said, do you, you string it off or what do you do? And my dad said, no, no. He said, I don't string it off. He said, uh, what I do, he said, where I want the garden to end, he said, I go down and I drive a stake in the ground where I want the, uh, want the rows to stop. And he said, then I go down where I want the garden to start and I start up my tiller, and he said, I take off, and he said, I keep my eye on that stake. And he said, I don't look down, I don't look to the left, I don't look to the right, and he said, I sure don't look behind me to see where I've already plowed. I look straight ahead. That's what we got to do. That's what we got to do. We got to keep our eyes on him. We got to press toward that mark of high calling that's found only in him we can't look back there's nothing back there that we can change is there and you know my dad's neighbor was just he was amazed at the simpleness and the singularity of his method are you amazed at the simplicity and the singleness of the gospel of christ Oh, let's don't ever lose sight of that. There's one body, one spirit, one hope, one calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one thing needful, one man, one mediator, one thing that we know, one thing that we must do, one way, one gospel, one message. One Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the message, one message. John wrote in 1 John, he said, This then is the message. Just one, the message. He didn't say a message. He didn't say many messages. He said, This is the message. And then he said this, that we've heard of him. Now, he didn't say from him, even though they did. But he said this is a message of him. It's concerning him. 
The Lord Jesus Christ opened the understanding of his disciples and he said uh, all the things in the in the law and in the prophets and in the Psalms are what? They're concerning me. This is a book about me. It's all about him. That's the gospel. Can I say it any simpler than that? Jesus Christ and him crucified? Well, I'll try. God died for his people's sin. That's what Jesus Christ and him crucified means. God died for his people's sin. What a message. What a gospel. What a savior. Thank you.